Hanging out with people is a risky behavior sometimes, especially when we're following the wrong people. There is a saying that you become like who you hang out with. Some say hang with Jesus and you become like Jesus. Well, Judas tried that. Hang with the world and you become like the world. Well, it isn't about the right people or the wrong people that you hang with. It's about worshiping the Most High Lord and Savior, King Jesus. Hello, everyone. I'm Neil Parks. Welcome and God bless each and every one of you, wherever you may be listening from. Now, last week we learned where obviously the five foolish virgins were deceived and how they were being misled and assuming that they were on the right track. The outcome can be and was devastating. Paul warned about this in Acts 10. We have to be on guard, and the only way that happens is to be actively seeking Jesus. Now, I truly believe that the five foolish virgins felt they had the right stuff. These silly religious socialites were deceived into thinking that just by mixing with the wisdom of others, that they would be looked at as wise followers as well. Now, in Matthew sixteen twenty four, Jesus is talking about taking up the cross to follow him. So 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I affirm by the boasting in you, the Corinthians, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord, I die daily. You see, folks, there is a cost to following Christ. Now, just a reminder that everything we learn with these teachings is meant to produce more growth in you, which produces more intimacy in Christ. And that intimacy produces the light and the, and the raging fire of Christ in you, which is the needed oil for our lamps. So let's take a look at what happens when the deceptive seed is sown or taught by false deceptive sowers. Now, the five foolish virgins were worldly and deceived. And we find that in Matthew 13, verses 24 through 30. It's about the parable of the wheat and the tares. What's a tear? It's a weed. Verse 24 says, Jesus says, another parable he put forth to them, saying, 
The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men get this slept, sleeping in other words, (laughs) his enemy came and sowed tares, weeds, amongst the wheat, and then he went on his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares, or the weeds, also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not grow seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, Get this, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us to... Uh, Then go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at that time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather the tares, and bind them up in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, there is a battle going on of influence here. The wise versus the foolish of the world. The world looks at the wise as light bearers with their lamps full of oil of Jesus or the word, as needless gear. But, see, the world looks at it as all roads will eventually lead home. After all, we have science and technology, don't you? That'll save us. That that oil that the wise has, that that extra oil uh, that the wise virgins had, represents the Word of God. The new wine, if you will the new covenant, the word. Now, let's get the explanation of this parable in Matthew thirteen thirty six through 43. Then Jesus said, sent, excuse me, the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said to them, He who sows good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. But the tares, or the weeds, are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out the angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. 
Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, folks, here is something to remember. And that is the enemy, the deceiver, the devil is working 168 hours a week. That's 24-7. Now, most churchgoers listen to a teaching of about four hours a month. So how does it make any sense that there can be any growth to match the enemy's assaults? Something else just jumps out at me is, all through Scripture, the posture of sleeping, if you will, is so prevalent. In the Garden of Gethsemane, if you'll remember, Jesus was at an hour, he was being pressed, and he asked the disciples, stay awake and pray for me. And they fell asleep. This didn't happen just once. It happened three times. He kept asking them. I just can't imagine. The next day he was going to be crucified, and he couldn't even get them to stay awake to pray. And then the evil servant, when the master leaves, and the and uh, and then and now the ten virgins. They're invited to a wedding, and they're waiting for the groom. They go to the door, and they wait. What do they do? They sleep. They're dozing. I would submit to you that the enemy is a predator and will strike easily at the most vulnerable moment. So so be alert. Give strict attention and active in faith. Verse 42, For you do not know which day, whether near or far, your Lord is coming. Now this is all in Matthew 24. Now here's a saying, and I'll say it, but I I totally, I just totally think it's so apropos. Sleepwalking is dangerous. Well, as we consider the interpretation and the application of this parable, we should begin by observing that it is but one of several parables in this discourse. His coming is known by the Father, but we are assured by Jesus that we will be able to discern the season. We're going to recognize it, folks. That general time frame, his return, with one significant indicator, and it would be the abomination of desolation and the great tribulation. That's in Matthew 24, 32 through uh, 34. Matthew 24, 29, uh, verse 29 through 31 says, Because we do not know exactly when he will return, we must be constantly in a state of alertness. 
We must be ready. So what Jesus is telling us, this parable is about being ready. The ten virgin parable is just one aspect of what it means to be ready. Well, that will do it for today. But coming up next week, we're going to even dive deeper into this parable of the ten virgins. So I hope you will join us then. And by the way, if you have friends or relative, I just want to encourage you. If they come to mind as as you listen, uh, for that matter, anybody, please invite them and know this, that comments are always welcome at this address. Fill the lamp at yahoo.com. That's all one word. Fill the lamp at yahoo.com. Let me pray for you. Father God, I just want to lift up all the listeners today. I lift them up to you, Lord, that uh, you would have your way with them in your life, in your word, for your glory. Father God, whatever they may be going through, uh, relationships, maybe health problems, could be anything, financial difficulties, whatever it is, Father God, I just want to lift them up that you would speak peace into their lives. And Father God, as we go through this uh, parable of the ten virgins, Father God, the importance of being alert and being ready. So Jesus, I just I just thank you for the listeners, and I pray right now in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm Neil Parks.